with gratitude, prayer, and blessings. Live from Jerusalem, this is General Ike, Building Jerusalem. I'm here today with Melanie Landau. Hi, Melanie. Hi. Melanie Landau uh, works in conflict transformation and embodied spirituality. She's the founder of Mystic Body, uh, has a PhD in the area of religious feminism, and an MA in psychoanalytic studies. Melanie is passionate about individual and social transformation through deep healing, emotional release, awakening eros, empowerment, creativity, and spiritual expression. She works as a teacher, counselor, spiritual midwife, and intimacy coach with individuals, couples, and groups, and is based here in Jerusalem. Hi, Melanie. Hi. A pleasure to have you here today. Pleasure to be had. It's great to finally be having this conversation with you. I've, I've had like a whole lot of questions that I've wanted to ask for so long, and I finally get to. You have a poem that you wrote at the end of uh, Yeshivat Kol, uh, Kol Ishaq course, mm -hmm. is that right? Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a bit about what that was and what that, that presentation meant for you? Sure, so um, I had the privilege to um, kind of found and share a learning group, a um, post-denominational women's group where we um, looked at the laws of Nida, the laws around menstruation, a group of women and um, um, week by week we studied um, a different kind of law together and at the end um, we each gave presentations and just towards the end I did um, one of um, several trainings that I've done since and it was part of um, my kind of waking up from the spell of the patriarchal God, let's call it that, and so um, yeah I shared with this group um, some some words around um, that I suppose that um, how that waking up from the patriarchal dream sat with um, what I've been learning you have a bit of that poem to share with us today yes I do um, so it, it feels a little, I, I'm happy to share it. It does feel vulnerable. It was, I shared it in the, you know, in with the intention of really speaking to these sisters who I'd been learning with throughout the year. So this is part of it. When I started learning Torah, I felt the exclusion and humiliation of the collective feminine burn in my uterus. And then we came back. Me with you, more than a minyan, more than a quorum of Bnot Yerushalayim, daughters of Jerusalem. These are the ones for whom we long when we make a prayer, when we make an oath to come back to Jerusalem. We long for the community, the brilliance, the brightness, the softness, the beauty, the sharpness and the healing. I want you to know about my pleasure, not because I'm immodest, not because I don't value privacy, but I revel in this opportunity to claim my pleasure, earn through releasing much pain, to let myself be seen in this pleasure, 
with this pleasure. The world should know about cervical orgasms. May women's orgasmic pleasure drip through the streets of Jerusalem. Do not awaken the daughters of Jerusalem until they are ready. But when they are ready, yes, awaken, awaken self, awaken other. Wake up to the beauty of the world and its works. Thank you. So uh, you asked if you could share this at the beginning of our interview today. And what was it about that that, that came through for you? I think it's a, a sense of the significance of uh, being in Jerusalem and of doing this work of uh, coming with kind of like full openness to the tradition and seeing what it, you know, raises up in me, what it's raised up in me, what it's raised up in other women. Um, I It's sort of an approach got developed called the um, sort of like a hermeneutic approach, an interpretive approach to learning Torah um, called um, sort of the, the dark feminine. And the idea of that is what it means to... Um, what it means to encounter the the Torah or encounter everything in the world or some things that might be challenging for us from that place where we don't need to defend against it, but we can allow it to come inside. We can take everything inside and know that through taking it inside, it can be transformed and transmuted. And that's the significance of when we work with ourselves from the inside and we enliven and awaken and activate the womb. And it's the womb quality. It's not just bearers of a physical womb, but it's the womb quality that we all have as humans, which is a sort of transmutational quality. As we um, awaken that, everything can... Nothing needs to be defended. Nothing needs to be let out. It's making... That's what it is. It's making love with its um um uh making love with um with sort of all of life through the divine feminine allowing everything to come inside and nothing needs to be defended against nothing needs to be protected everything can be brought in and transformed and transmuted wow so for someone who's listening now and who I, i'm sure there are lots of people hearing this and going Oh yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And others were saying, "What what are you talking about?" So is there is there a, a sort of a, a stepladder of ideas that you could just share with us that would help people understand who don't have any sort of connection to that world sure. what that sort of stuff means? Well, maybe I could try to do it a bit through my own journey, like um, of what I mean by also the sort of like dark versus light. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of my journey in the last twenty years, from the time um, probably 20 or more, maybe nearly 25 years ago when I started learning Torah and um, and I was just so like touched and moved because it was the first time when I suppose the divine became real to me and I just felt that a lot in my heart and I just like opened up to like the possibility of like what it meant um, you know, like I remember learning, you know, God will turn God's face away. And that meant that if that's like a consequence that God will turn God's face away, that meant usually God's face is turned towards. You know, and I just really kind of like took that in. 
and it really, you know, was significant for me and also just really kind of like adopting God as my parents, really like, you know, taking in what it meant to be a child of God and and to and you know when we talk about them we adopt the characteristics of loving kindness, really like taking that in and like feeling that love and feeling that compassion and bringing that you know home to myself and re I just really it, like yeah I was just really moved and transformed and that was also within community and and I suppose the the transformation that keeps happening which is based on a line from Psalms that we also sing in Halel Even Masu Habonim Rosh Pina the stone that was despised by the builders becomes the cornerstone so it's like those parts of ourselves where we thought maybe something was wrong with us, too sensitive to this or that. We come, you know, when we move in these communities, we come to see that there are deepest gifts and it's just to have that reflect back to us. It, like, changes, you know, how we see ourselves. And um, so, um, yeah, so a lot of that journey was a lot of opening up. And I, maybe I call it opening up to the light. It's kind of to spirit and really allowing spirit to just, like, you know, come through and penetrate and be nourished through spirit and I was doing things with my body at the time doing yoga and that was creating a lot of opening but there's a way that a lot of that happened from my waist up let's say and it's more in the last years and I don't know because I've heard a lot of people around 40 40 is just like awesome <laughs> And I've heard a lot of people around 40, like a lot of women sort of like wake up, like also sexually in, in different ways. So I don't know about, let's put that to the side, but I've been working conflict transformation. There's something about that and about keeping my heart open to hearing people's pain and really wanting to be present again and again as if it's new and not close off and not callous up and really just allow myself to hold and to listen and to witness and be with people in pain, that um, it's it forced me to seek deeper nourishment. And in doing that, it's like, um, I think I was let, like what's the deepest sense of nourishment we can access? And there's something about it that's from the earth and it's from opening up our, it's connection to earth, opening up our bodies, really opening up our bodies to just like drink in, to suck up the deepest nourishment that's possible. And so, um, and so I'm calling that the path of the dark divine. Not dark because it's bad, but dark because it's got to do with matter. It's sort of like really the, um, it's the divine embodied in matter through matter. And there is something that when we bring this divine inside matter and it, um, it has a sort of transmutational quality to everything that's brought inside activated matter it's like a cauldron and that's who we are as humans we, we're, we're these cauldrons and so um but it, i mean part of that also it doesn't just happen automatically it's also related to i suppose a de-armoring like there's different ways emotionally that we've closed up so in order to be able to take things in we have to open up how do we open up? We open up through releasing the ways that we've been armoured. We can do that physically. We've been armoured and we've like closed in. And so through physical touch and therapies, we can release and open. But also energetically, paying attention to different ways we've hardened, we can release 
emotionally release and through that emotional release um, through physical and energetic paths then that helps us open to be able to receive things that can then be transmuted a couple of years ago you were at uh, Yom Yerushalayim as a professional whaler is that right? well what happened was I realised after that that's it was like I was reclaiming that ancient, one of the ancient practices where uh, sensitivity and feeling is kind of like a call to social change and activism. So what happened was in Yom I'm not sure if like people are aware, but sometimes there's um, there's different demonstrations and sometimes... Jews from around the country um, go through Damascus Gate, which is often used for um, Palestinians um, living in Jerusalem or living in the old city, and, and a lot of Jews from around the country come and march through and sometimes um, taunt other people living there, etc. And so it's a there was something about the the atmosphere that was very. Um, it's very tense time and um, scary and sort of confrontational. And so I had a, a flag. I was wearing a sign on my front and back, and it said Jerusalem, a city of for all its inhabitants. It said it in Hebrew, like Yerushalayim ir lekol toshveha, Jerusalem, a city for all its inhabitants. And also um, a friend wrote it for me in Arabic also on my back and I was just staying there and I was just crying and crying. And people were coming up to me and um, just looking at me as if I was like, um, like they didn't know where to place me, they didn't know whose side I was on. And, but there was just something about, it just felt like the, felt like the appropriate response in the moment of um, actually now just as we're coming out of the, of the days of war and the shofar maybe think about the shofar like the way we sort of use a shofar as a way to like connect to the human heart to connect to feeling to connect to humanity to connect to the cry and i suppose that was my you know blowing of the shofar my cry and that felt like the most sort of alive authentic response for me in that moment in this place so that was that was something that for you was an out, an outgrowing of the same work that you've been describing here, that connecting to your uh, divine feminine. Some of the things that I talked about maybe came later than that, but when if I look at it, there is something about um, the the honouring of the sacred feminine that is related to the honouring of feeling. And the and sort of the power of feeling, and the way that feeling can be sort of like a pathway back to the sacred, a pathway back to the whole, and our capacity to feel, our capacity to open, our capacity to be sensitive. You know, instead of something that that we might be criticised for, or that we feel like we don't fit into society for, it's it. Um, it can be something that can be sort of like turned around that we actually realise the gift of it and that we can start sort of leading from that place. Is this something that you see when you do your work with individuals and 
couples and groups. What's, do you see like a sort of pattern as to what uh, people have that they want to be working on or that you feel that they could get a lot from by developing? Do you see the same gaps over and over again or is it very, uh, let's say, distinct individual? Well, of course, you know, it, we... That's like the magnificence, it's like in the mission of the magnificence and the paradox of all being in the divine image, but all having such uniqueness at the same time. So obviously there is the unique aspect to it, but I think a common aspect, a unique aspect of people's journeys and intersections, but I think a, a common element is the way that, um, w that sometimes with our most deepest gifts that there's sometimes some shame or pain related to us. And often I think that is related to different um, things that we might have taken on from the outside or judgments um, and, um, and that uh, in sort of, that we can like reclaim uh, the, the sacredness of, of those gifts and usually they are connected to something about our sensitivity our capacity to feel, our capacity to be vulnerable. Something that in certain environments might have been valued or it might have made life hard for us, but there's another way that it can kind of be turned around. And that we're, when we're in environments that, that reflect it back to us, then it can change the way we see ourselves. I remember one of those moments. Um, I was in Elat Chaim, um, a Jewish renewal retreat centre in the Catskills. Um, it's also the first time actually I saw fireflies, which was exciting coming from Australia, even though we don't have them. <laughs> but anyway, um, and um, I was with this amazing um, acting teacher, and, and she was doing a workshop on prayer, awareness, and breath. And she, she just whispered in my ear, I was thriving in that environment. It was an emotionally safe environment. I could really show myself, and I was thriving in it. And she whispered in my ear, like when I left, there's plenty of safe spaces around them, around, you'll find them and you'll create them. And that's really what happened. It's like, it's really like which is like, um, you, um, if you open your hand, then, um, then your sort of desire is fulfilled. Like the more that we open, then then we, can, we are met. The more that we open, my experience has been that the more that I open and the more that I can um, be honouring of my own experience, then I can be met with that on the outside. And when I'm not met with that on the outside, it falls away. And, um, and what is real and what is constant is the honouring that, that I can also bring to myself. For people at home who might have trouble accessing this openness that you're talking about, do you have something that you can share with us that can help people access that? I can, but what I want to say is that um, I'll, 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 let's do something, let's try something together, but it feels really important from the outset to say that I don't know what this will help you to access like I, there's no sort of no set outcome that has to happen but hopefully whatever it does is it brings up some map for you some information and that's really the point 
Like, we don't need to get anywhere with what we're doing. But even if you notice in the first, like, minute or something, your mind's just judging and saying, this is ridiculous, I can't do it, then that's information for you that, you know, that, that this is what's happening and, you know, this is something for you to sort of relate to. So I just wanted to say that at the outset. So there's nowhere, you know, I'll, I'm, I'll happily share and we're going to go through something, but wherever you're at with it, that's where you're at. And the most important thing for this is our sort of like deep listening and being with ourselves where we are and not feeling attached to any way that something has to look, but just being in integrity with our own sort of experience in the moment. Great. So, um, okay, let's um, feel our feet on the ground. Connect to the breath. As we're breathing, the soles of the feet are a place where we can kind of like open to life force energy, open to the energy of the earth. So we could bring attention to our soles, opening the soles of our feet taking some breaths from the soles of our feet as if we're sort of like drinking up nourishment with the breath. If you want, if it's, you can stand up too, you can stand up. And we're continuing to breathe and drinking life force energy from the ground. And if we want to also move our hips a little bit, and move the body and notice what's happening in the body. Bring attention also to our heart area. Opening the body, letting the body move with the breath. Nothing in particular has to happen. We're just paying attention to opening the body, drawing life force energy from the earth, through the body, letting the hips move. One of the things that comes in the way of us accessing life force energy, which is also our sexual energy, is some shame and guilt that we've taken on both individually and collectively, could be through our traditions, families, um, cellular memories, and so one way that we can um, kind of like address that is through coming back to a sense of our original innocence. Original innocence is like the nature of who we are. It's the sort of like the open, you know, sometimes some of the hurts happen just as we were born, so I can say it's the openness and the joy of a baby, but some people already had hurts come in before that, so there is an openness and a joy, and it is there, and it is in our cellular memory, however far we have to go back. But let's, we're going to move through the body now, opening the body, and really bringing and drawing in a sense of this original innocence. So we open the feet and it's like wherever we may have walked, we bring a sense of intention, attention to our feet and the 
original innocence of these feet that we have and our legs, wherever our legs have, have moved, whatever efforts we've made, kind of come back and we draw on this well, this resource of original innocence. We reclaim it, it's a full well. And as each of us reclaim that in ourselves, it's like the pool is bigger and we can stand in the world and stand for that original innocence and we can remind each other of that original innocence as we behold each other. Even if we might lose it for a minute, then we get reminded from someone else who's embodying that sense of original innocence. And then we move up into the body, to the, to the hips and to the, to the genitals, which is um, we might be carrying different pains or hurts or shames, individual or collective. Such an energy centre, such a source of nourishment, a source of, um, of creation. Even the physical creation is just a fraction of the energetic possibilities, the energetic rejuvenation, the peace, the the nourishment that's available and we bring a sense of, of original innocence to the genital area. And then we keep moving the body, keep breathing, keep breathing in from the earth, breathing, drawing energy from the earth. We bring attention to our belly and we let our belly be soft. I remember being in a yoga class in Italy and the teacher just pulling out my belly and saying, what are you doing holding that in? You'll get sick. Just letting the belly be soft. Letting the feelings be there. Whatever we've taken in, whatever we might have taken in to all the different places, either things that we may not have wanted or things that we regretted after, we bring a sense of, of letting go, a sense of original innocence to those places. Then moving up the body, all the way up the back, to the heart, and the front heart, the personal heart, the back heart, the collective heart. Just bring a sense, drawing from this well of original innocence, opening the heart, noticing what's there. And then we bring some attention to the neck, this place that, that might have, you know, can, we've, might have a lot of different armoring or soreness, the place that's kind of like uh, connected between our heart and our head. And sometimes our mind might have confused us and this neck has held that and we bring some loving. Let's place our hands on our neck and see also what it feels like to touch ourselves with this sense of original innocence. This neck, this precious neck and this jaw where we might hold different tension and anger 
in this head and different thoughts and different judgments that we've had. Sometimes some of our wisdom and other times different judgments and recordings that we've just been repeating that may not have their place anymore. We just bring gentle attention, gentle touch of original innocence to our head and then just for now we'll, we'll finish off with our hands and bring some gentle attention to our hands, things that we've made, things that we haven't made, things that we touched or didn't touch or things that we left and see what it feels like to be touched by original innocence, original innocence touching original innocence, touching my hands with original innocence, what does this feel like? We open these pathways in ourselves, and as we, every pathway that we open in ourselves, then it's like we enable another person to come towards us and meet us through that pathway. Now we can just take a few more breaths and if there's any of those places that you want to revisit, you can revisit it obviously also in your own time. But just now, for a few moments, we can revisit any of those places in our body, our feet on the ground. So blessed to be here right in this moment with the capacity of receiving, of opening, the endless source of energy is available to us. And then as we open ourselves to this and as we strengthen our capacity to hold this aspect of original innocence, we stand in the world for it and we're just reminders of other people of our true, as we keep reclaiming this, then we also remind others of, of their true nature. Just through, it's like a deep remembrance. We don't have to do anything. It's just through our being that we remember. Thank you. Thank you. I mentioned an idea before we started um, of the Evan Hatoyan, the claim stone. This was something uh, that the Mishnah says was in Jerusalem? Yes, so um, 
rubber tamale at Apple Gorm actually brought my attention to this inner shiro that she gave at my place a few years ago before Pesach. And um, the Evanatoyan, the claim stone, actually appears in the Talmud in uh, Tractate Babamatsiya, page 28b. And basically what used to happen is that everyone, it was like a very, very large stone, and everyone who had lost, it was a place where people, Hashavat Avida, the returning of lost objects, is a very important mitzvah, commandment. So everyone who had lost some, everyone who had found something would go to this place and sort of say, you know, this is what I've found. And everyone who had lost something would say, this is what I've lost. And then people who would, you know, some people had found what others had lost. And then they, people would find what they had lost at this place. And for me, this image is so evocative of um, what it means what would it mean for Jerusalem to be a place where we can share of our deepest gifts, um, or really any city to be of a place where we can share of our deepest gifts, where we can say, this is who I am, this is what I have to give, and everyone can come and say that. And we can also say, this is who I am, this is what I want, this is what I need. And then all of us, like, we all have like the deepest riches um, that that we can give without losing anything, but that really like give so much to another person, and and it's through that giving of those deep gifts that we actually just open the flow to be able to receive more, and also it grounds our purpose in the world as we can learn to give of our deepest gifts, and so there's something about. Um, you know, releasing shame and deepening in self-acceptance that allows us connect to our deepest gifts and also releasing different armoring and protections and hurts so that we can also receive deep gifts. Wow. And, and this is related to your ideas on projecting sacredness? Well, I suppose that I think that for me, that the sacred is um, there's a way in which sometimes we project our idea of sacredness onto things or onto places. You know, Jerusalem, the holy city. You know, the Kotel, the holy. Uh, you know, the holiest place for Jews in the world, as if it's sort of like out there, the holiness. But actually, you know, the the first and the main sort of temple is the human body. Ancient temples had images of um, like um, had images of basically genitalia you know on the outside as a way to symbolize the entrance to the mysteries to the en the, the opening of mysteries of life and it's actually you know in our bodies and through our bodies that that we can connect to deep knowledge of the mysteries. And in a way, some of that knowledge has been lost and that's related to the, to the kind of putting down and the denigration of the sacred feminine. Some of that knowledge has been lost and instead we've sort of like projected out holiness onto external authorities, onto things. But there's a way that through, it's related to the giving of our deepest gifts, 
that we can sort of reclaim a sense of of who we are as living temples and um, yeah the range of all the different like you know uh, divinely given experience that we can have knowledge um, portals to different worlds and galaxies that open up from inside our own experience um, when we um, there's something about that though that it requires us to let go of uh, it's sort of got a bit of an anarchic quality because if we just um, place the authority outside ourselves, then it's hard to listen and open and listen um, to our own experience and let the mystery come forth because we might rush to sort of like either curb it or impose some pre-understood definition on it and there's a certain way that um, the reclaiming of of ourselves as the temple um, kind of eschews external authority and has a sort of bit of an anarchic quality to it. A lot of what you're saying now for me resonates with stuff I've read, uh, like the, the line in Psalms, my heart has said, seek my face, I shall seek your face, O God, which seems to mean that where one seeks the face of God is in one's own heart. And also um, the commentary on uh, they shall make for me a temple and I shall dwell in yes. them. Yes. It says in them instead of yes. in the actual temple yes. because God dwells inside the people yes. when the people are properly prepared. So I see all of this stuff coming through and, and resonating. What would you say to someone who's hearing what you're saying and is feeling like there is a there's a disconnect between their experience of Judaism or their understanding of Judaism and what you're saying. Maybe even a, a disconnect that means that that's that what you're saying is forbidden to them. Hey, thank you for asking that. I want I'll come to that in one moment. I just want to say one thing about what you said about the heart. I think that there's there's sort of like the lower in my experience sometimes there's like the lower the upper heart and the lower heart and from the waist up is that sort of what path of light what I was talking about um, which doesn't necessarily have to include the body it could include the heart but it's not necessarily the full power of the embodiment but once we also include the lower heart which is like the the way when we activate our our life force energy um, through um, sort of opening up to um, sexual energy and it's not just about in a private way like got to do with like having sex with people it's got to do with actually opening up to divine creative energy this is the source of our creativity it's not just about you know some small vision of like some privatized sexuality it's opening up to the full force of our creative power and that I see that sort of like the lower heart and and so um, I think that there's a risk in some structures that we just go from the waist up and it's amazing, I mean, none of this can happen. The heart is everything, the upper heart, the hard heart is everything. But um, and nothing can happen without the awakened heart, but it's like the power and the sort of like the fuel for it, like 
we can access through the ground, through the earth, through our body, through bringing the power of the creative energy of the lower heart through the upper heart. So um, now in, in terms of, for me, my Jewish spiritual practice is so precious and I feel so blessed and and that's like in a way the beauty of, of Torah that like every year we come around to, you know, now we're starting, we just read Bereshit um, this Shabbat and, you know, we're starting a new cycle and every year as we transform, it's a living Torah and what it is for us transforms. Um, and so and so that's the same. So now I just sort of just look at things and I just see things in a different you know, different ways I open and grow and maybe there's certain things that I don't have appetite for or certain things that like um but um but what I've noticed is around the fest just now like I had the most amazing um set of festivals like on Rosh Hashanah I um uh opened my home for an embodying sweetness thing so I just um really use this opportunity of Rosh Hashanah and of the of this sweetness um, that we talk about and we eat honey and everything, but to really, what does it mean to like open our body to really receive this sweetness? And so like we went through, excuse me, an embodied experience of that and um, the first stage was around um, singing and opening the heart and people showing their intentions and then we moved on to an activity where people were invited to, to ask for what they wanted to receive that would support a sense of like embodied sweetness them and different people like asked for different things and it was like very beautiful and then around Yom Kippur I led another workshop on original innocence which was a little bit like that meditation we just did and that was really using this opportunity and using like the 50 people there to like dig into to like open up to how original innocence is going to come through them and then we can all use each other's resources and we were literally just having this feast of like drinking energetically from each other's original innocence like people who felt like it was a stat they could hold that were on the outside and other people just went around and just like really drank from them and like supported their own sense of what original innocence might be for them and open their bodies and and I just saw how people really opened to that and was sort of like thirsty for that and um, because it's one thing we can talk about you know forgiveness and letting go and like the divine like really like you know being in the mikvah of God and etc like it's the essence of the day that like really lets us start again but we have to do it from the inside out you know, and really use our full sort of power to just like open and allow that um, starting again, that deep, deep forgiveness to happen, to move through us. And, but then it was interesting. And, and after that, it was so amazing. I'm like, this is what, this is like the living temple. Like, I don't want to go back into a Sidur, I don't want to go back into a machsor after like that. We have these resources in our bodies. I want to support people to like activate these resources that that what this these gifts of the tradition are giving us we have we can really access access it powerfully and support each other in it and then in Simchat Torah I kind of had this vision I was in probably one of the most beautiful um, services I've ever been in for Simchat Torah and there was generations from like very young to much older and 
everyone dancing together and people telling different stories of their life and it was really very beautiful. But what I saw was as we were passing the Sefer Torah around and each person was just like bringing it close to them, there was something about that felt like a bit of a block and I just thought what would it be like if instead of the Sefer Torah we just like took each person to us and we like held them close and that love that we feel comfortable project onto the Sefer Torah like what would it be like if we allowed that love to flow more freely between each other and without you know necessarily having the intermediary and it was just like a really beautiful thought um and uh there's something about also instead of just sort of hanging back on the sides like with these huge yearnings and desires for love and trying to find it in all different places but like we can really create um these spaces of of how we can be of service to each other sort of like the evanatoi and like you know what is my deep gifts you know what are my deep needs and how can you know we can be there for each other in ways that don't take anything away from us but on the contrary they add it's like the kind of giving where everyone gets something and no one loses anything and um yeah so it was just really kind of beautiful to think about that and um I think also a quality of flexibility is really important to me so even though I've had those thoughts and everything and then to, at the end of Chag we were in someone's Chatser and um, and we were singing Nigunim and Sorry, could you translate Chatser? Sure we were in someone's courtyard um, just on off the street down here and there was like 30 people um, you might call them a bit more normatively religious, whatever that means. And, you know, everyone's though really on the individual journey and we were connecting through the nigun, through the tune, through the song, through the voice, not really words, just singing. And and there is a way that nigun is a unifying, um, unif- that a nigun, a tune, a song, um, it kind of like brings everything together. Um, and... Uh, so there's something about this path for me that it's also related to to harmony, that it's like there's something about accessing this uh, this life force, this creative energy that really at its core it it is uh, helps propel us into a um, into a lot of resources of peacefulness and openness, um, which which then mean that we can kind of, in a way, be of greater service to the people around us, whoever they are, wherever they are. Um, hmm. Did you find that those people who were, as you say, more normatively religious, they had uh, troubles with what you were doing, or were they... I didn't speak to... we, We didn't speak to each other. Okay. So I don't know. I'm not sure, but... I mean, sometimes with some of this stuff, people do project things that they're scared about. I know I've done that myself. Mm-hmm. Like someone can look to me a bit evil, but then I've noticed I've done some exercises where I embody like the oppressor or I embody the, there's a, another word, um, oh yeah, predator. Like we're, uh, we've acted like animals and some people are the predators and some people are the prey. And, and it's really amazing to act that out. 
And what I'd noticed is after I acted out the predator position, some people that I'd been projecting that predator material on had totally shift. I could see them as human. Right. And people might do that when you st because of all the shame around sexuality. Um, when you take the risk to stand more in the world in relation to sexuality and to show yourself as a sexual being, just like everyone else, but if you take the risk to show yourself, then you can receive projections because there's a lot of um, repressed shadow material around sexuality. Repressed shadow material? Um, what I mean by that is because maybe not everyone's like owning their full creative power, people aren't necessarily connected in conscious ways to their sexual energy. So sometimes when other people do um, come forth with this, it can feel threatening or might look even bad or evil. Okay. And just to, uh, to take us on today, what is your vision of a better Jerusalem? Well, I think it comes back to that vision of the Evenatoyan, of the claim stone, and of the centrality of Hashavat Aveda, returning the lost object. But I want to sort of like take it home, and, and it's an invitation on a collective level that like everyone who is here is like a part, everyone who is here is valued and is a part of this city. And so we, we re, anyone who we may not have valued, we reclaim them as sort of lost property. And it's like you are needed here. You are part of here. You belong here, you know, and on the sort of collective level. But then it's also on the individual level. Whatever parts of ourselves that we might feel like we've needed to put to the side or put in the shadow, that we create space and compassion and openness and acceptance to be able to bring those places to light and through bringing those places to light and through that compassion in ourself it's like we create that peace in ourself that we can then go and stand in the world for beautiful thank you very much Melanie it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today thank you Thanks to Perrin Walker and Daniel Kenny. This is General Ike, Building Jerusalem.